My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what, if anything, we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. Today on Squanderlust, why a love of drama may be messing with your finances. And why a grey area is a good place to be. Hey Alex, how you doing? All right, I'm good, I'm good. Good. Slightly on the sleepy side, but I'm sure this will wake me up. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need to go have a nap? Um, always, but I'll, I, I should, in the interest of professionalism, decline at this juncture. <laughs> okay. Well, so today's concept is, uh, hopefully it will be a, a stimulating discussion for us. <laughs> uh, it's a concept from cognitive behavioural therapy, mm. and it has a proper name, which is dichotomous thinking, Ooh. otherwise known as black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. Yes, familiar. Yeah. And it is the failure to see nuance or the middle ground, mm-hmm. the tendency to take an extreme view um, or a tendency to see everything as an either or mm. rather than a spectrum or a mix of good and mm. bad. Yeah, which actually, you know, given the current political context, is quite pervasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think it can be very familiar and it, it's something that certainly in in our media world and and on social media and so on is particularly pervasive and encouraged i think we we're, we're mm. often encouraged to kind of treat everything as if it is an all or nothing yeah. at the moment yeah. in a way that's not particularly helpful but it is actually when it starts to become your main way of thinking in particular mm. It can be very damaging for you and and for your relationships Mm, um, with other people and with with ideas Mm. as well. It has a tendency to make people really judgmental. Yeah. 
and also really perfectionist yeah, as well. So, which perfectionism being judgment of self. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But with that also comes a tendency to be quite risk averse, quite self-isolating. Mm. So there's all sorts of... Out of the of, fear of being judged. Or, out of the fear of being judged or out of making judgments on other people and finding them wanting and then cutting yourself off from them because they've let you down somehow as mm, well. Mm. And it, it tends to mean a sort of a shuttling between all of those ideas mm. where something is either, oh, this is the perfect thing, it's going to save me, it's going to be so yeah. amazing, and then it's not right. that so perfect goes, and amazing. It goes from being then, possible to impossible with nothing in between. With nothing in between, yeah. yeah. So there's a real lack of forgiveness in this. And it has these really wide-ranging implications, obviously, in, in social relationships, but it also has some really wide-ranging implications within financial behaviour as well. Mm. And today we're going to kind of focus on how does it affect day-to-day -day money management decisions, particularly spending decisions, although it, it can blossom and bloom into all kinds of other financial product decisions as well, not just your sort of day-to-day -day spending. So... Let's have a think about some of the problems with, we've got started on some of the broader problems, but how those apply when it comes to just trying to start taking control of your money. Mm. And the perfectionism and that judgmental thinking, there can be a real issue if your finances aren't in good shape. There can be a real issue of feeling like, well, it's not worth trying. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Things are so bad, I just, I'm not even going to start. So that's that, throw it out the window. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm so bad at it, I'll never be good. Yes, exactly. And it can also lead to a bit of a um, hanged for a sheep as for a lamb thinking Ooh. as well. So if things are this bad, I might as well make them worse. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, familiar. Yeah. I mean, not with money, I'm just thinking about the state of my flat, but, you know, I understand the concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, in the original saying, you might as well be hanged for a sheep as for a lamb, the consequence is the same, so the action might as well be worse. But with financial situations, often the consequences will get worse as the actions get worse. So right. it's, it is a false way of thinking. Yeah. It's not a, mm. that's not a realistic way to think about things. Yeah. And overspending by £10 is less bad than overspending by £100. Mm. Mm. So, you know, this is not a helpful way of thinking about things. But what's interesting is that people will often shuttle between the two ends of the dichotomy. So yeah. they'll shuttle between it'll work itself out somehow mm. and a kind of over-optimism. Mm. and it's not worth it, no one can help me. Yeah. And there's no middle ground yeah. of where action can take place. Yeah. Because actually that middle ground where action can take place, it's a place of reality, yeah. and reality is where discomfort sits. Yes. You know, like it's uncomfortable to look at reality. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the people are compelled internally to get away from that kind of discomfort by mm -hmm. shuttling to yep. either end of the implausibility spectrum. Yeah. And the the middle is also where responsibility sits. Mm. If it's too bad to do anything and I'm such a failure, I can't do anything myself, then that's helplessness. Mm. And there's no requirement to take action because of helplessness. Yeah. And if it'll all work itself out somehow, I'll probably win the lottery. Yeah. Whatever I'm, that. I'm totally going to win the lottery one day. <laughs> 
There is such a correlation with me, you know, buying lottery tickets and feeling feeling the financial woe really? upon me. Oh, oh yeah, I'm like this is just gonna stop everything. It's <laughs> um, really funny. Like you know, when things are fine, I actually don't even think about buying a lottery ticket. So. That's really funny. Mm. That's really funny. Okay, so yeah, so the the over optimism, it'll work itself out somehow. My ship's gonna come in, whatever mm. it might be. Again, there's no requirement for action within that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it, it's it's a total passive yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a non-choice. And it's because the middle ground feels too big and scary to stay in, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you actually have to look at the numbers and, and sit down and make decisions mm. about what what is worth doing and what's not worth doing to make a change. Mm. So, they, you know, that's the first one. And then there's also, uh, which you pointed out when we were chatting about mm. this before this episode, there can be a paralysis about starting to even look at that. So you say you've been able to find the middle ground enough to say, yes, I need to make some kind of change. But then the perfectionism can kick in around how you go about making that change. Yeah. And there can be a real paralysis around, you know, writing a budget or creating something, Mm -hmm. a plan for yourself. Yeah. um, Because you can't get that plan right first time. Yeah. And it's very easy to start trying to make a plan, realise that, you know, after a little while you can't stick to it because it wasn't quite realistic in in some way. You know, being a bit over-optimistic about how little money you could live on or Mm. how much you could save in what time or or how much Mm. credit card debt you could pay off in whatever length of time. And again, that's going too far in one direction, that's being too extreme in one direction and then shuttling to, and therefore budgets don't work for me, I can't stick to them. Yeah. I'm bashing out the other side of that again. I could see that as being sort of a thing, a thing I've come across in myself. Yeah. Yeah. um, Knowing that I need to get on top of all this stuff and starting it and Mm. making a nice little spreadsheet and then being like, oh, God, I'm just, I'm never going to be able to do all these things. And then going back to head in the sand, I'll buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I, I think, I think there's actually, when you read some of the articles in the press about savings gaps and pensions gaps and insurance gaps and all of those kind of things, I think this plays into those a lot. And I think sometimes those articles themselves can be quite counterproductive because they encourage to me some of that thinking that we should be, should. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's that word again, should be trying to save an unrealistic amount. Yeah. And that shuttles people either into an an over-optimistic, I have to try and make that happen mentality or into a that's impossible and therefore it's not worth trying mentality again and that is that dichotomous thinking and some people won't start a budget because of the assumption that it's going to be extremely strict and you never get to have fun again and again that's dichotomous thinking that a budget means never having fun yeah and no budget means always having fun (laughs) fun on tap yeah (laughs) whereas of course you know a good budget has space for enjoyment and fun and has a little bit of wiggle room in it otherwise it's not actually a good budget it's it's just a crappy budget yeah (laughs) reference back to our episode on values and valuing your money yeah exactly exactly so so that's the sort of shuttle that people go through with these with these ideas is that you said that this is sort of familiar territory. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know all the things I should do. We're, we're both here because we know all the things mm. we should do and we don't do. And this is, you know, in, in life in general, it's a very familiar concept, but um, particularly 
around money and it's kind of interesting to frame it that way because it makes me see a little bit more clearly how, you know, these feelings are quite dichotomous and, you know, it's neither of those ends is true. It's all in the middle and the middle is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then there is, you know, there are people who will absolutely, they'll get started on a budget that seems to be working. And I know I've done this in the past and you sort of make it work for a little while and then you have a slip up of whatever kind. And then it's almost like there's a tension release and you're just suddenly spending a lot more. Yeah. I tend to refer to this as a scrimp splurge cycle Mm. where the budget is too tight to start off with and there is no fun. And then it, you go over it once and it's it's like the corks come out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> suddenly, to hell with it. Yeah, Back absolutely. Square one, square one or, or worse. And I think a lot of people go through that kind of cycle. And we we've talked, um, I think, a little bit about how some behaviours around money can be sort of analogous to some behaviours around food as yeah, well. And yeah. this is definitely one of those areas where people will tend to go. Yeah. Again, be a bit like they are with regards to food as well. Yeah. The interesting thing is that, and, and and again, to sort of take that food analogy a little bit, that's the tendency to overspend. But then people who are really good at staying in on top of their spending, and I say really good at staying on top of their spending, they're really controlled about staying on yeah. top of their spending. Yeah. I don't really want to necessarily put the value judgment of good on this. But people who have a tendency to spend too little on their own well-being and kind of live in terror of spending any money... That terror comes from a fear of not being able to spend in moderation. Mm. If I start, how will I know when to stop? Yeah, there there is a familiarity in this for me as well. And particularly around sort of specific items, I've noticed this. Like um, times when I've had a bit more money and Mm. I'll need to buy a new face moisturiser. And Mm. I'll I'll, um, be looking along the shelf and I'm like, well, this one's, you know, this one looks good, but it is, you know, just 20 quid. And Mm. I kind of feel like I don't want to let myself get used to the nice things. Ah, (laughs) Um, So I should just stick with, you know, the 199 one that basically, you know, is a chemical peel (laughs) every time you use it. Because, you know, if if I then the following month don't have as much money because working freelance, then I won't be able to buy that nice one again or I'll buy it and I won't have the money for it so it's a kind of yeah Mm. that sort of not letting yourself have nice things yeah because you don't want to get used to it you don't want it to become the habit so it's like a a slight sort of um twist on on that but related yeah to not being able to stop once you start well I mean there and there is a point about not wanting luxuries to become habitual Mm. that is an important thing the luxuries that become habitual so that life without them feels beneath you on some level is definitely a fast track to getting into debt for sure Mm. but on the other hand with awareness you can still manage these things and that terror that I can't spend on anything nice because once I start I won't know how to stop Mm. I won't be able to moderate that is something to keep an eye on definitely because it it demonstrates a a fundamental lack of faith in yourself right yeah and while we say on this program you know one of the key things about this this program is we are not that rational and we are not that great (laughs) (laughs) being on top of ourselves Mm. No paragons um, here. No paragons here. <laughs> but by the same token, to not trust yourself mm. is also to disempower yourself. Yeah. 
Um, it's a get-out, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, I, I can't be trusted to do that, therefore I absolve myself of all responsibility. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then that's back to the, I'm just going to ignore the whole thing, kind of end yeah. of the spectrum. Which... But, you're doing, but you're doing it in the other, the other direction of, mm. if I never allow myself anything nice, that's also shutting down on myself and mm. saying I'm, I'm helpless in a way that is possibly not yeah. great. So kind of exploring either end of that spectrum is is worth doing and just having a little bit of a prod at yourself and saying how could I moderate on this yeah it's kind of worth having a little hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Think about... And it's funny, given all of these things that we've said that are so damaging about this kind of thinking, you'd think we'd be able to ditch it. <laughs> mm, but no, so there are various reasons why it's actually quite hard to let go of it. Mm. And it has a lot of appeal, I think. I don't know if you, mm. like, if there are any reasons that you can think of that make you think, oh, this is hard to let go of. Well, I think it's because you know... When you're sitting in that space and you can't let yourself go to one end or the other, you know that you have to do something else. You know, there is an action that needs to be done. And it, it like I said, that is, you know, you just said the word hard. It's hard to do. And if you can't think of a way to get out of it, mm. it just becomes this big amorphous problem that you know that you need to solve and do something about. But, you know, even that is a dichotomy. It's like all or nothing again of like, I have to do something about all of this. Yes. And you become very stationary in it. And it's just, yes, it's yes. it's more appealing to put your head in the sand than to actually take 
action make the small effort. step yeah yeah so like, one yeah that's definitely one of the issues is that when you're thinking in a dichotomous way mm. a small positive step mm. doesn't feel like it's enough yeah. of a solution yeah like what what dent are you putting in that problem you're not really yeah. so I may as well not do it so or, yeah or you know there is a strange that we have an attachment to what we know is the wrong thinking because it's very familiar to us mm. you know these are patterns of behavior that we fall mm. into a lot of the time mm. therefore they feel like home mm. um mm. and to step away from what feels very familiar even though we kind mm. of know it's it's not working for us is very unsettling yeah and um you know knowing that you have to then remake yourself in a little way yeah or probably a big way is really scary yeah so. There's often a moral judgment as well attached to this kind of thinking. Somebody who thinks in a very dichotomous way will often have a strong moral judgment attached to that part of their thinking. Mm. And so if you, for example, are somebody who is really strict on budgeting, you possibly have a moral view that that's the right thing to do. And so giving up on that morality feels like letting down this moral standard mm. and it feels like a a corruption of some kind or a loosening of your morals or, or an unethical thing to do. Mm. And, you know, if you're somebody who is very controlled and judgmental of self and perfectionist, then, you know, making space to be a bit more forgiving doesn't feel like making space to be more forgiving. It feels like giving into something negative yeah. rather than increasing the level of kindness yeah. towards self and others. I mean, there, there is also just saying that kind of giving into, it would be the same for somebody who's really overspending because, they, mm. you know, they would see drawing mm. that back as giving into what, you know, society expects of them, like, you know, the mm. system, the power, um, you know, that kind of... I just want to be fun time Frankie and the world says no kind of thing. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, yeah. you, you are yeah, having yeah. to give in to what you see as moral judgments on you, which yeah. is actually, look at yourself, it's projection probably. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, some some other things about dichotomous thinking, like dichotomous thinking gives you this simplicity, right? It's very right or wrong. And that's easy answers. A strict budget is actually easier to write. Mm. It involves less thought than yeah. a yeah. moderate budget. Easier to write, harder to achieve. Harder to li live with, impossible yeah. to but live with. But you've done almost. the thing, so tick, move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and along with that comes sort of certainty as well. So one of the things about, I think I mentioned it at the beginning, one of the things about this kind of thinking is that it often comes with a lot of risk aversion. And... Yeah, you know, when you give yourself a bit more forgiveness and a bit more wiggle room, then that comes with an element of risk and, and that is confusing and scary for people mm -hmm. as well. And a lot of people are not happy about that. And then the last one's quite kind of interesting. The last mm -hmm. reason why mm -hmm. people struggle with kind of thinking or struggle to let go of it is there's an inherent drama. Mm in this kind of thinking. Oh, drama has so much to answer. Well, people's, not drama itself, I mean, that's blaming the thing, people's appetite for drama and desire yeah. for drama. Unacknowledged desire for drama is, yeah. is the root of a lot of problems. You know, <laughs> it really dra is. Drama makes us feel like we matter somehow. Yeah. It's, it's very appealing, the yes. kind of, you know, having a story to tell, having some panic in your life. You know, this yeah. is why we feed ourselves with stress so much because yeah. it makes us feel alive when in fact, yeah. you know, you could put that energy into something that, 
is productive and joyful that Creative. makes you feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> we put a lot of energy into drama. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fundamentally stimulating. You know, mm. adrenaline, cortisol, those things are, are stimulating. Mm. And we can get really hooked on that sense of stimulation, even if the emotions attached to them are very negative. Mm. And I definitely think that that is one of the appeals of dichotomous thinking, even with regards to money, is like the shuttle between hope and self-disgust mm. involves a level of emotional stimulation, a high and a low, yeah. that is powerful, even if actually it's just really unpleasant and, and being in a state of more calm and more moderate emotions and, and actually to some extent, some contentment mm. puts you in a much better place in, in lots of different ways. Mm. So, yeah, I think that sense of drama is something that is easy to overlook in this kind of thinking, but mm. it's something to be very aware of, mm. for sure. And it's also, you know, harking back to what we said right at the beginning about how the context that we live in is very dichotomous and, you know, there is... Yes. People are not allowed to have grey areas, you know. It, mm. It's always someone is terrible or someone is good at the moment or an idea is terrible or an idea is good. There's nothing like, well, there might be some bits or mm -hmm. that are good or not. There is a lot of drama around, you know, yes. that, that thinking is happening and it's also playing out in lots of dramatic ways. I mean, like, every yeah. time Trump tweets to mm -hmm. sort of sully our dear podcast with that name yeah um, <laughs> you know that it's the drama around that that even though actually we don't like it yeah but it's yeah. you know it's something to distract ourselves with and drama is very distracting from that hard place of just making some good decisions for ourselves yes absolutely so let's think about how we can step back from the drama oh yes please um, I, feel, I feel tense I yeah. am verklempt step back from the drama step back from the need for easy answers a little bit and create some space for ourselves to be a bit more forgiving. And once you have given yourself space to be forgiving, that's actually one of the first steps because reality becomes more bearable mm. when you're ready to forgive yourself for not being perfect. Mm. Like the reality is difficult to face when it comes with the judgment. Yeah. Yeah, um, but nobody is perfect. We are all working are on this all, all the time. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so some suggestions for how to do this. So the first thing is to acknowledge it is normal to not get things right first time. And anything to do with managing your money in, money out is a process of testing and learning and refining. And we are doing an episode on five different ways to manage a budget, which are various different kind of methods and processes. Trying some things out and, and seeing whether they work for you mm. is a good thing to do. Keep your ears peeled. Eyes peeled. Ears peeled for that one. <laughs> ears peeled. I'll work on that. Yeah, that doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> Remember that damage limitation is valuable. Overspending, like I said, by £10 is less bad than overspending by £100. So trying to catch yourself mid-splurge and saying to yourself, no, no, damage limitation is, is valuable and it's a good thing to do. Mm. It is okay. And you're still a responsible person if you catch yourself mid-splurge. If you've overspent by a little bit and then you catch yourself, you should pat yourself on the back. Yeah, give right? yourself credit where credit is due. Exactly. Even, I mean, not... We're not talking about credit cards. <laughs> God, that sounds terrible in this context. No, but you know, people don't give themselves enough credit for the things that they do achieve. The, yes, the small achievements that Absolutely. make it feel worthwhile. And and notice those small achievements. I think that's really, really, really important as well. I'm going to say one that goes along with this, which is kind of controversial, but I believe it to be true. 
which is even that if you're consistently overspending and, and you are gradually getting yourself into debt, overspending by less than you were is still an improvement. Mm. So if this month's overspend is less than last month's mm. overspend, mm. that's still an improvement. There yeah. are some people who would be really judgy about this and yeah. will say, unless you are cutting down to at least neutral, mm. you have failed. But that is in itself mm. some dichotomous thinking. Improvement yeah. is what we're all about yeah. here. Because there may be circumstances that mean that are, that is legitimately very difficult to do, mm. that there are certain demands on, or you just mm. have a very complex situation that you, you know, psychologically, physically that you need to handle. Yeah. That, you know, yes, I, I think it <laughs> it is a good thing to, because it, this is about forming habits. And if mm. your habit is to start tacking backwards yeah. into a safe, then that is a win. Yeah, absolutely. So improvement is always improvement. And don't beat yourself up over your imperfections. Instead, ask yourself whether anything has gone right. Mm. So look for, look for the times when you have gone right mm. that were in your control, that were your actions. And if you find yourself thinking that everything's going to be perfect and rosy from now on, do the reverse. Ask yourself what could go wrong. So what what doesn't work about my perfect rosy? Mm, lottery win. <laughs> lottery win. What doesn't work about that? Odds of 400,000 million to one. <laughs> That'll be it. <laughs> so, you know, you can't avoid what you refuse to see, really, is what we're saying here. And, and kind of edge into that reality. Don't just kind of dump yourself in the middle of it. Just a what if, just mm. a hypothetical. What if that doesn't happen? What can we do? And then the last one, I, I, we've said it, I guess, in a couple of different ways over the course of this episode, but consider a less strict budget that's more realistic, longer term. Leave some space to fun and just ask yourself the question, what would moderation look like? Mm. Even what would moderation look like for someone else? whose circumstances are similar to mine, rather than moderation for me. Yeah. But if someone was living a moderate lifestyle on my income, in roughly my circumstances, what would that look like? It's kind of a useful question to ask. I hope that's food for thought. I hope that's useful. Very much, Ruth. I feel sated. Excellent. And not too full. (laughs) (laughs) Like, deliciously. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe room for chocolate later. Yeah, always room for chocolate. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King, and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, 
Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.